sing. We are here, here together in this holy moment, and we're grateful for the winding road that brought us to this place. We are here. In this holy moment, and we're grateful for the winding road that brought us to this place. Reading The Church Has Left the Building by Margaret Weiss. The church is not a place, it is a people. The church is not only a steeple above the tree line, streets, and cars. Rather, it is a people proclaiming to the world that we are here for the work of healing and of justice. The church is not walls built stone upon stone, held together by mortar, but rather person linked with person, linked with person, all ages and genders and abilities. A community built on the foundation of reason, faith and love. The church is not just a set of doors open on Sunday morning, but, but the commitment day after day and moment after moment of our hearts creaking open the doors of welcome to the possibility of new experience and radical welcome. The church is not simply a building, a steeple, a pew. The church is the gathering together of all the people and experiences and fear and love and hope in our resilient hearts. Gathering however we can to say to the world, welcome, come in, Lay down your heartache and pick up hope and love. For the church is us, each and every one of us, together. A beacon of hope to this world that so sorely needs it. One of the reasons early colonists left England and Europe for America was to establish re religious freedom for themselves. American Unitarianism came out of these congregational churches that organized themselves around a document called the Cambridge Platform of 1648. This document was sort of a declaration of independence from the Church of England, and it established the idea of congregational polity. And I'm using this term purposely because the more involved you get with Unitarian Universalist at leadership levels or at our larger assemblies, the more likely you are to hear someone use this term. And so we, know, we need to know what they're talking about. Congregational polity is the concept that there is no higher authority than the congregation. It was created in reaction to the established church that was governed by a hierarchy of men with centralized power. Individual churches had no control of their leadership. Ministers were assigned by this higher authority 
and the church had no authority and choice in their own officers. In addition, a church had no right to determine their own standards of membership and no power to remove people from their fellowship. Congregational polity was the declaration that each church is independent. It was the rebellious doctrine stating that the congregation has the right to choose its leaders and its minister and can set its own standards for membership. This is one of the foundational beliefs of the formation of this faith, and it is essential that each of us understand this, although I admit that it really doesn't seem very interesting when you first hear about it. <laughs> so I'm gonna make these points again. The local congregation is complete and it has all the powers of a church. There is no higher authority. The National UU Association has no legal or binding authority over us and is not to interfere with the business of a church unless invited to do so. The second is the church's existence and power comes only by the free and deliberate consent of the members of the church. And the third thing is that all the business of the church is in accord with rules, bylaws, and policies that are accepted by the members of the church. So what? You may wonder why on earth I think that this is even important to talk about. There are four reasons I wanna give you for understanding congregational polity. Basically, it's so we can understand how decisions are made here. It's to be clear that individualism is not the same as congregational authority, to understand the power the church has, and finally, to recognize the subsequent responsibility we all have. So if you look at our organizational chart, at first glance, it looks like a typical hierarchy with the board and the ministry at the top supervising all the teams, the committees, and all the programs of the church. But actually, if you look closer at that document, you will see that the congregation is always listed at the very top of the chart. The board and the ministry are responsible to the congregation. And this is a bit tricky because most of the rest of us are used to organizations where we work or volunteer that have a structure when the members are at the bottom of the chart, guided and supervised by the leaders. Typically, we have to ask the leaders for permission and guidance for what we do. But here, the leaders are guided by the members who choose them. Each of you as members of Northlake have voted on the mission of this church, the town halls and congregational meetings of where you choose the direction as well as the leaders you trust to help you fulfill that mission. And this gives each of us each of you quite a bit of power. And I will quote Spider-Man's uncle here, whose dying words were, with great power comes great responsibility. Many of us have an ambivalent reaction to the idea of having power. Some of us do not want the responsibility of power and many of us see power as something to avoid. In the community organizing world, we distinguish between different types of power. There's power over, which is a coercive, controlling type of power. This is the power that a supervisor or authority has, or someone with lots of money, perhaps someone with greater physical strength. And that is what we often think of when we conceptualize power. 
But the power of us as a congregation isn't power over. We are not coercive or controlling. The power of the congregation is power to and power with. Power to is known as the ability to act. And power with is the collective action, the ability to act together. When I talk about each of us having great power, I mean, we have great power together with each other. There are times when this power, the authority of the congregation is misunderstood, when individuals believe this is a personal power rather than the collective authority. It's not up to one or two individuals who insist on their way of being or believing to the detriment of the community. This is not a permission for individualism. It's hard to remember that. And I often remind myself of this with a quote that I actually have hanging above my desk. It's on a thing so that it spins around and it says, individuality is glorious. Individualism is a disease that robs us of community. We walk this careful balance between being a prophet in our community that urges each other into power or being an individualist to the detriment of the community. We have power with each other and we have power to act together. And with this power, we recognize responsibility. When we choose to use our power to act, we must be thoughtful and inclusive. We must seek out the voices of those often at the margins of our congregations and center those, center those voices without assuming our personal experience of the world is what is normal for all. We must know ourselves and know each other. Each of us has a particular way of understanding and behaving in this world. Each of us is responsible for examining this, knowing our own biases, our own mannerisms, our foibles. And each of us is responsible for tending to our relationship with each other in our congregation by getting to know others well. Several months ago, the board of Northlake spent their retreat learning the Enneagram, which is a way of gaining some insight to how they are and how they act as individuals in the world. This wasn't done as some team building exercise or a self-help type of program. This was done so that each member of the board can have a basic knowledge of themselves and a basic knowledge of each other. If we do the work of knowing ourselves and knowing each other, then we can work together with understanding and with trust. We are responsible for using our heart as well as our head. We cannot get stuck in the desire to know more, debate more and process thoughts even further because too often this gets stuck in inaction. At times we must attend to our heart over our head and we are responsible to act if we have the power to act and we do not move into that action, we are irresponsible with our power. Earlier in the time for all ages, Margaret talked about James Luther Adams. And I just wanna take a moment here to point out, I don't know if you recognize that over on the altar here, we have, I make little altars out of matchboxes. And can you see this? I'll hold it right up to my camera. This is James Luther Adams, who I have an altar to up here on the, our, our bigger altar. 
James Luther Adams is widely regarded as the most important Unitarian Universalist theologian of the 20th century. As a young minister, Adams traveled to Germany to study with the greatest liberal theologians of the time. The year was in 1935. And during his years in Germany, he was disturbed to find that the churches were not effectively resisting the rise of Nazism. He later described this by saying, and I quote, in Nazi Germany, I soon came to the question, what is it in my preaching and my political action that would stop this? It is a liberal attitude to say that we keep ourselves informed and read the best papers on these matters and perhaps join a voluntary association now and then. But to be involved with other people so that it costs and so that one exposes the evils of society requires something like conversion, something more than an attitude. It requires a sense that there's something wrong and I must be different than the way I have been. That's the end of his quote. We are a progressive liberal church in this country, but this does not mean we can be complacent. Adams urged the liberal church to understand itself to be the prophethood of all believers. He meant that as a congregation, we need to understand that we are the prophets of these times. We are not to sit to see who emerges to act like one of the Old Testament prophets. We are responsible to be in that role. We as a congregation judge and correct society. Liberalism is not to be confused with being uncritical or merely broad-minded in our attitudes, especially in a time of rising tyrannies from the right and left. The liberal religious community must act and push our principles of equity, justice, compassion, democracy, interdependence. This is our responsibility. When we embraced congregational polity, we took on the responsibility of authority for our own church community. Each of us has authority within the context of our covenant, the promises we make of how we will behave with each other in the community. It is not the board who has final authority. It is not the minister who has final authority. It is all of us acting together. And this requires the active participation of all of us. This calls us to know ourselves well and to be responsible. It calls us to make promises to each other, trust each other, and commit to each other that we will care for each other. The work of this church is up to us. Blessed be. spent time together and these holy moments give us strength to go down the winding road until we meet again we have spent time together 
Until